Hello and welcome to Imagine Me and Yuri Kuma. I am Panda. I am your host, and I'm here as always with my co-host Alice. Hi, Alice. Hey. How's it going? I am doing all right. How are you doing? I'm doing great. We are also here with your wife, Cass. Hi, Cass. Hey, how's it going? I'm here with our cat Luna, who is the goodest girl. Oh, yes, she is. <laughs> How's Luna doing? Oh, Luna is sitting on my lap and being a very good girl. Oh, baby. Luna is being a traitor and a revisionist because she's all I like, know. Oh, no, I, I'm Normally, I have to put her in the room with Alice when I when we're podcasting <laughs> because she'll, she'll be a jerk in this room because her food and water are in the other room. But right now, she wants attention and she happened to come up to me and I was like, all right, I'll, I'll let you onto my lap. And she's like, oh, good. This is what I actually wanted. I will be the goodest and sweetest of kitties up here. Baby girl! Oh my lord. Goodest and sweetest of big, chonky cats. I love you, girl. You're literally saying that and we're petting our chonky cat. (laughs) Here also with with a big, chonky cat is Yasha and Vana. Hi, guys. Hi. How is your big, chonky cat doing? She is chilling in her nice, soft spot. Yeah. She is on the vest blanket. There is a blanket that she just likes the best because it's the fuzziest. Do we have a do we have an update on the baby? He is quietly in his room, so he's probably sleeping. Aww, I had to like pet him while what he a ate. good boy. Yeah. He was pooped already. He just needed the excuse. <laughs> Excellent. I'm I'm just glad I didn't have to like sit there until he dozed off. <laughs> Tonight we are here to talk about episode 10 of Ooh. Yurikuma Arashi. Does anyone remember the title for this episode? Because I don't. The it's I think it's the door of friendship. Yes, that that is actually yep. that is it. The door of friendship. And okay. boy, are we excited to find out what the door of friendship is? <laughs> I feel like I feel like we should just take a moment to shake our heads with that one. <laughs> I mean, as we discussed in the last episode, I did not expect the door here to actually be <laughs> anything. So, mm-hmm. I really don't know why we didn't expect that. Yeah, I think that's why I was angry. Was I was like, this this should I should have known this was coming. I guess, yeah, that makes sense because I probably should have known that it was going to be relevant. I just like. Oh, it's a building. It's a door. Ikuhara's never done anything with doors. Mm. Why would I ever suspect? <sighs> yep. I don't know. Did we all just think that that was too obvious? Yeah, it felt very obvious. It just never thought. occurred to me, which feels <laughs> stupid because like... It, yeah, like it feels like we should have seen this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Cass, as our resident Yurikuma stan, how did you feel about the door before knowing that it was such an integral part of the story so that's going to be a hard question for me to answer because i i am on my like fourth watch through now of Hirikuma. <laughs> and i feel very like god my, my brain is just flashing back to like a line delivery from the uh 
the 04 Count of Monte Cristo movie. Five years of which have been spent digging this tunnel. Two years of which have been spent rewatching for this podcast. <laughs> but, uh, um, but yeah, like I, when I think back to that first watch through, mm-hmm. episodes 10 through 12 were kind of the episodes where I kind of clicked with the... I've I mentioned before that like Moon Girl and Forest Girl is the episode where I began to vibe with Yuri Kuma mm-hmm. in my initial watch through. Discovering that the door was kind of an integral part of the story was like a big deal, but not as big of a deal for me as that was because on a subconscious level, like I saw Utna before I saw Yuri Kuma, so when I saw mm-hmm. the door open, I was like. For me, it was kind of like a Sasuke Hikahara moment. Where, you know, <laughs> of course, the door, the, there was a door there. It makes perfect sense. It didn't even occur to me in a lot of ways that there wouldn't be a door there, if that makes sense. I just assumed there was going to be some kind of magical realism stuff or just magical, <laughs> well, in this case, just magical magicalism, like happening in the that's not even a word uh happening in the uh the lily garden and i the fact that it happened to be a door uh-huh. i think the fact that like what was on the other side was like bear russia circa world war ii <laughs> I mean. surprised me more than the fact that actually alice you you actually know historical tank models better than i do are the tanks hmm. that we see destroyed in that hellscape uh, World War One or World War Two models. I know they aren't modern tanks. Those things are fucking T thirty fours. I'm mad as hell. Why? Because why did you put a T thirty four in your anime about lesbian bears, Ikihara? Why did you do that? Why did you, why did Is you bother to do this? Is the T thirty four a notoriously homophobic tank? <laughs> it's a it's a Russian tank from World War Two, and I the fact called that, it. Yeah, the fact <laughs> that I can recognize it, I can recognize this is supposed to evoke this image to me is i don't know why it's very weird you can't it, see me right now but i'm throwing open my hands in a t-pose asserting dominance <laughs> i am the lexicon okay, of okay, but you know what that works and you know why that works as as a, an american who's gone through the American school system and therefore didn't really learn very much about World War II except that we fixed it, which... Uh, (laughs) That's a funny Uh, joke, Vanna. (laughs) It is a funny joke. (laughs) The first thing I thought of when you said that, that it was a Russian tank, my brain went, oh, those Russian chicks from World War II that were the... That one that was like the best fucking sniper. Yep. And they're sniping in the ship. And my brain connected those dots and I feel like so did you. Oh my God. So that means Korea is that one, what's her name? The one Russian oh, woman that just like, literally. just blew oh. the fuck out of like four, like, like Let 200 Nazis. Google. She was just so fucking badass. Let did did he it. make Korea into that rush? It's Ludmila Povachinko. Yes! Yes. Yes, her. And she's like, they asked her how many men she'd kill, and she said, I do not kill men. I kill fascists. I kill Nazis. Yes! <laughs> yeah. Yeah, lady, lady <laughs> I believe Alice has just sent a link to our group chat. I don't know if he was thinking about that, but now I am, and I really like that. I'm glad you mentioned her. Yeah, like, I just totally, like, that is the first thing I thought of when you mentioned Russia, and I was like, wait, chicks with guns? I know a chick with a gun from Russia. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was like one of the three things I know about Russia's role in World War II. It was cold, and there was a really badass sniping uh, Teasing Alice with the cat was fun, but I had to move her to the other room because Aww. she finally decided that, like, 
Time to okay, move. this has been fun, Mother, but I, I need to go in the room where my water and my food are now. <laughs> Valid. Oh, see, I was even wrong. I said, like, 200. It was 309. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. She was active. So, yeah, Kareha is big this energy, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I could see it. I mean, she's sniping with rifles. Again, like, I don't know if it was. Tell what, what it... model of gun are those? You would recognize it better than I would. Are those Moses? Oh, um, no. Don't tell... Oh. I a would, lot of I would, a lot of horny dudes watched so, this show, so this is written down somewhere. Someone who's good at firearms, please explain to us what the model of gun used as a reference in the television anime Yuri Kuma Arashi Love Bullet Yuri Bear Storm is. Uh, you know what? If we can't find an answer quickly, I will tweet that and probably have an answer in about five minutes. I think that would be great. Yeah, you, I'm gonna. You know what? I'm gonna actually look. Give me, give me sixty seconds. I believe in you. Okay, we haven't we we actually have it named. It is not a Mosin. It's a um do, 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 do. according to the wiki for whatever thing that's worth. It is a scoped Remington 750 Woodmaster. Oh. That's probably okay. the gun that was used in the the bear attack that Oh like, no, I'm, I thought she meant the gun. I thought she meant the guns sure in the battlefield. No. Yeah, it just looks like a Remington. Yeah. So where no, was that, that used? That's probably the gun that was used in the bear attack. That it's a it's a hunting from. rifle. Yeah, it's a oh, very common yeah. hunting rifle. Looking it up, the Remington Model 750 was a it's a semi-auto, and let me see what Wikipedia says about it. No confirmation on whether or not it's been used in that specific bear attack yet, but we'll look that up later. Yeah. It's apparently a pretty common model of gun, though. Uh, yeah. It it's actually a very modern gun because production on that particular model didn't begin till 06 and it wasn't discontinued until 2015. Oh, so I'm gonna guess that the rifle used was a Remington, but definitely wasn't that model because the Sankubatsu bear attack happened in 1915. Yeah, so oh, it's Remington. it's an actual modern gun if if the wiki is to be believed, which I actually yeah, will. Like... Yeah, I'll I'll buy that because. Some gun nerd definitely, definitely drew the guns in this show because yeah. they look like real rifles. Yeah, Ikuhara he- is a gun nerd. Ikuhara is is yeah, he is actually. Yeah. He wanted Utena it, to be yeah. made with guns because he is that much of a gun nerd. Ikuhara is secretly like a subscriber on Forgotten Weapons, and every week <laughs> he tunes in, waiting for like, oh yeah, tell me about the ladies' home companion again. See, Ikuhara is about guns the way he is about lesbians. He mm-hmm. thinks of them as this distant thing he cannot touch. Go that, on. That could okay. explode in his hands, and he desperately wants it, but he can't have it because the rules of society in Japan say guns are bad. You shouldn't really have guns. And so are and lesbians. lesbians are bad. You shouldn't have lesbians either. <laughs> it's forbidden fruit all the way down. Well, things are changing on at least one of those fronts. They, Yeah, it's true. Oh, are they finally making guns legal in Japan? Uh, no. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, the feels when. That hurt. I don't like that. Uh, Right, right. Thank you. I'll be here all week. That that was too close. Good one. God damn. Look. You know what? We should probably get into the episode. We should get into the episode and not go on about life. It's that house that is definitely the house from, like, Adam's family or some shit. <laughs> I'll flash back to the baby Kareha. Yeah. Oh, baby! The house is from Psycho, remember? Oh, that's right. She has, Happy. like, the tiniest... She got the tiny little booties and, like, 
really cute little PJs. It's very cute. This is cute. On one hand, she's very young, and on the other hand, apparently she can read. So I don't know how long, how old we're supposed to assume she is. I mean, I like, could read like when I was eight? three. So I was, yeah, I was like, thinking like four. I was thinking like five or six. So she, okay. she looks like she's yeah. Okay. Actually, like. We could probably reverse engineer it because this is explicitly the night her mother died, and we know what age she was when her mother died. Okay. But I cannot remember it off the top of my head, so oh. we could even so it, we we could probably reverse engineer it later. I'm pretty sure that Correa's mom reproduced by mitosis. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I there is definitely not a father. M- males are irrelevant. To they also world. look identical. Yeah. I like that, that that the show has the opposite problem from most anime in that regard. <laughs> it's true. It's kind of a welcome break. So we are watching Kureha's mom take baby Ginkgo, the adorable bear, and take her across the severance barrier to protect her from being found by the humans now that she is friends with her daughter. Yes. Yep. And gives her her necklace. Mm-hmm. The falling star thing that we keep doing. And now it's from the very beginning we loathed you and from the very beginning we loved you i keep on wanting to say that's that why it's we Baroos. wanted to become true friends you can't be friends with someone you don't hate a little bit says the Yurikuma. show <laughs> you know what ikuhara you have a real toxic relationship with friends i have a feeling it's probably very hard to be <laughs> ikuhara's friend i would imagine uh yes. well we can ask hideyaki Yano about that apparently apparently so. it's very hard because he's a pain in the ass like all right, now we get commentary on the militarization wow. of the police. Ikahara, can you not, with the extremely up-to-date references, you know... Or maybe he should. Yeah. Maybe he should keep doing, actually. So, yeah. yeah, straight up, these students are all now acting as part of a police force. They're all carrying Remingtons constantly. Uh, they have Carrying a black... They have, yeah, they have, they have black armbands, a blacked-out van. Uh, straight up, that van... Which which is a bare death ray vehicle, yeah. and inside is the greatest plot twist oh, in anime. Oh, I know. I, I, yeah, I died. Yep. The cyborg guy is the first bear who died in the show, and she's she's got a little power symbol on her head, and she powers the gun by running on a treadmill, and it's adorable. This is so evil, though. It is really unfortunate how adorable she is. Okay, but has anybody else considered that that's literally, literally Ava? That's Evangelion, right yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wait, wait. Damn. Here we are. We, I yep. was just yeah. talking about Otto. Oh my god. At least Unit One was consenting. This is, <laughs> is, is, was this a consenting cyborgification thing? I don't know. No. I'm guessing not. Although, well, she given, seems happy given to that run. she was definitely dead before, I don't know that like meaningfully she could consent. That is, yeah. Unless they're they also invented like spirit telepathy or something, but I mean, how do we know they? Do? I, lo- I love I love that you Lulu is like I haven't seen a bear, what cow, bear? cow, never <laughs> seen any bears ever. Growl, cow, growl. I'd watch my back if I were you. She's like, ha, I did it. They're using the storyboarding like shots for Lulu that they use for um, you know when she's stupid. And they yep. should. <laughs> oh, and uh, the the Severance friends are all <sighs> watching from a balcony. Watching from a balcony and going like, I don't get it. Why the why Lulu betray Ginkgo? And the other two are like, 
well, obviously it's because she she loves Ginkgo and therefore did it out of jealousy. And then we get the important line, Kumaria requires everyone who crosses the wall of severance to answer the question, is your love the real thing? Yeah. And then we go back to the story. Kumaria Sama the Oh, that's, oh, that's the book. Yep. Back to the storybook. They found a mirror stopping them. Because that's at the scary. end of the last episode, she found the end of the book. Mm-hmm. Yep. I like how they, like, you, you can see it on the on the board in the background. Yeah, the bare death ray. Yep. And you're like, oh, wait, really? Also, I like the implication that this was built by a bunch of, like, grade schoolers. Like they're really this is an extremely bears. gifted school. <laughs> they're making fucking tanks. Good for them. Okay, the militar- militarization of fifteen-year-old girls. The great um, thing about this: look around. There's no longer anything to protect us. That's weird because it implies that they think the principal was protecting them somehow. Yes. Well, they would think that. They didn't know she was a bear. Well, I mean, they found out, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Yeah, which makes them worse. Now they're like. The authority couldn't protect me, so I'll be the authority. That's that's basically what's happening here. We are yeah. seeing... I'm going to just go ahead and call it what it is kind of turning into because it's becoming overtly militarized. It's it's an authoritarian, borderline fascist state kind of... Yeah. This is, this is, a, this is a militia in Montana, basically. Yeah. At this point. I mean, it was already a fascist state. It yeah, but now it's now a, it's yeah now it's getting angry and in Montana. It had a yeah. smiley face on. Yeah. It no longer has the smiley face mask. Yeah, yeah. None of these guns are registered, and none of these girls have a license. <laughs> <laughs> I am the Bureau of Firearms. Try to get me now, Mister ATF man. <laughs> <laughs> I am the ATF. Welcome to Waco, <laughs> Mister ATF man. <laughs> Oh god. Uh so we are seeing the end of the storybook. Mm-hmm. The moon girl and the forest girl I both decide so much. The yeah, the drawings are uh, amazing and also again, yeah, the watercolor so effect on I mean like there's been the watercolor effect when it's come to like all of the moon girl forest girl stuff, but like mm-hmm. this is just like it's, it's exquisite candy. in this bit. By the way, very fortuitous pause because I love that like you can see a crease here where the middle of the page would be. Oh. But they both go for the mirror and they say they're going to shatter themselves because their love is true. And it works. They shatter the mirror and find each other, you know, they find their friend on the other side. Are they going to get it all into like the the kind of implied symbolism of having to like kill yourself to get Cuz I mean like you're, yeah. you're, because the the whole thing is they get to a mirror and they're looking at their se- themselves and they have to shoot. You out have to, you have to shatter your own self image in order to embrace love. Yeah. Is basically one of the overt messages of the show. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is explicitly. I, I won't spoil the final episode, but like mm-hmm. this, this does come up again. Okay. There is a moment. Because it's it's very this whole like if you really want to connect with someone else, you're going to lose a part of yourself in the process. Yeah. Okay. Or. But in a good way. Yeah, like you'll you'll have to shatter your your self image, and in this case, I think it's not it's not just like you'll lose a part of yourself, which is you know kind of like mm-hmm. as someone who's now you know in like who's I mean not just basically we have a marriage license, you know who who's actually married. Like 
yeah, it does change who you were before, but also mm -hmm. I think in the case of Yurikuma, it's explicitly like you have to be able to shatter how you think of where you fit into society as well. Like it's mm -hmm. look, I'm I'm just saying it. Iguhara actually got the queer messaging very on point on this one. <laughs> yeah, it 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 actually this this feels like a much more like direct way of of doing it than he'd had in the past, but it feels like a similar message at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, they kiss in this. They kiss. And, yes. and does, is there cosplay of this? Because I feel like a I couple doing this cosplay. cosplay. I want to cosplay this. Would be Alice, amazing. Would you, Alice, if we do this, which of us is the moon girl? Which of us is the forest girl? You don't oh have to answer. God. I know you want the bear. Do the it's bear. Oh, but it would be so cute. This would be such a cute cosplay. I would cosplay. give anything oh to cosplay forest girl in this. Like, I love it so much. <laughs> I Look love the Camellia hat. hat. It's such a good touch. I love <laughs> everything about this. Camellia owns too, so I like it. Promised kiss you. And this, my new phone background. Favorite, yeah. <laughs> I am yep. not surprised. <laughs> and so, having given each other their promised kiss, they were guided by the star of love to set forth beyond severance. And it shows them walking along... A ladder. A ladder, which is laid out in such a way that it almost looks like a railway that they're walking walk across, yep. which I like. Yeah. And, of course, Kumariya-sama is at the end. Yeah. I like yeah. that Kareha's upside down. Upside down. Big Ikuhara moment there. Just yeah. no explanation for why we're doing it this way, but sure. And she's she's looking at this and going like, wait, what is this what was supposed to happen? That's literally impossible. I cannot be with a bear. It would be improprietous. <laughs> Girl. What a what will the neighbor say? <laughs> Oh, and Lulu has snuck up to give her the pendant back. Aww. Lulu is best girl. Yeah, I, I love Lulu. She's she's great. She's grown so if much. If you guys haven't her. watched any of the English dub, I actually do recommend watching a Check little bit of it, specifically for Lulu's dub voice, uh, because sweet. she is exquisite. <laughs> Nice. Like she really is just so good. Like the the line that I always think of when I think of Lulu's dub voice is her being like, "But how did she know we were bears?" Perfect. <laughs> it's so good. Also, we get Lulu bathing or uh, Kareha bathing Lulu rather, which is a really sweet yes. scene. I, I love this scene because it's like it is both intimate and also like really not explicitly romantic. Uh, and it's it, overtones yeah. because, but there's like, there's some little touches here. Like the fact that Curry has not wearing her stockings here. Mm -hmm. She almost always, in all the scenes where she's wearing those, that's kind of like the ones where she's at her most guarded. Yeah. And she's barefoot here. And that's mm -hmm. kind of it. She's not wearing her, the outer part of her school jacket. And she's asking some honest questions of Lulu along the lines of, hey, I knew for a fact that Yurizono killed Sumika. Why did Ginko say that she did? I like that basically this entire scene is Ikuhara realizing on episode 10 that nobody really understands what's going on and we need to actually have a moment to explain kind of the yeah. vectors of emotional angst to everybody. Yeah, it, if, if I have Thanks. one criticism of Yurikuma, it's that this should probably have been episode 8. Probably. Yeah. Like, I, I'm just laughing because it does feel like, oh shit, I had to explain. But I also really love this scene. Honestly, it's really I like- good. I liked this scene because, seriously, how often do you get a story where everybody's just kind of, like, wandering around, angsting at each other, 
and all wrapped up in their own little world. And nobody talks. And then they actually communicate. Yeah. Like, like they say things to each other with their mouths about their real yeah. feelings. Yeah. Like how often does that happen? That doesn't happen. Uh, uh, like, it's you know, really like, nice. It is yeah. nice. Especially like in these kinds of shows where the, basically the entire plot could probably resolve if like every character sat down and had like a big talk and just bashed that shit out and cleared out some air. Yes. I like that they're actually doing that here. And like you said, like it is, it's intimate and not necessarily sexual. There's even like, uh, I don't want to say it. Hmm. Given the vectors in this, uh, of the characters in this story, it's maternal. Well, yeah. yeah and she even mentions, yeah. even mentions It's explicitly mother. maternal. Yeah. Cause uh, like, it's nice. Yeah. Uh -huh. This is um, bathing culture in Japan is very familial. So this is like big yeah. sister, little sister or mother to younger child. Like, this is, like, a thing you would do. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm And I like it because I think at this point it's pretty understood that Lula is not the subject of Kureha's emotional attachment. Yeah. yeah. So they're kind of just owning that and then being like, well, now that we don't have to worry about us being an item, can we iron out all the other problems in our lives? Oh, yeah. And that's what they're doing. Total props to Lulu for just being, like, all you know, the tea out. Ginko. She she wanted Sumika to be gone because she was jealous, but I'm not one to talk because I wanted Ginko to love me. That's yeah, in the first place, like that's that takes yeah. a lot. Yeah, it's a good it's a growth moment, and I like it. I'm glad they're having this moment, especially because she deserves it. Uh -huh. I know she is good. Oh, and like the brushing, there. and it is it is very like sweet. Yeah. It's it is. This is I'm forgiving her more this time around than I did the first time. Because the first time, I just did not like her for the rest of the show. But I'm, <laughs> I feel a little more forgiving this time around. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think she deserves it. She needs like, a hairbrush. She... Brushy, brushy. I know, it's camellia-shaped. I know, I love it. Kureha is on point. Girl just has... Uh, but yeah, we get to see the full photo in her little, like, music box, and yep. Yep. That sure is a ginkgo that she and her mom are holding the paws of. Can I say I think that it is just a little silly that, like, that is exactly where the photo was folded? <laughs> like, I know that it is it is that way because this is an anime and we need to start wrapping things up, but, like... <laughs> uh, like, I, okay, so this is silly, but... The wall that builds itself <laughs> is not a diegetic plot element we're questioning. I mean, well, yeah, because that's metapoetic. It doesn't count. Yeah, that <laughs> that feels more like a look, visual look, metaphor. We, 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 look, we, we've already established that like there is no middle box. If I can just inject some realism into this for a second. Yeah. The photo would absolutely be folded there because what if somebody came into the house and saw a photo of them holding a bear's hand? Oh god, you're yep. right. Yeah, that yeah. actually yeah. That and that's why sense. it's hidden. That's why okay, the answer fair, is hidden behind just... the locket that you would need to have accepted bears in the first place. It just feels a little convenient. That's all. It is very convenient. But, <laughs> <Yes>. you know. <laughs> Some, it's convenient. Sometimes your inconvenience is also a valid storytelling choice. You have made a valid point. I can't get mad about this convenience given how well it fits with the teacher making one out of, like, making the lily out of that photograph. So there's, like, a pattern of the photographs. Sure, yeah. Having something important and then concealing it. Actually, the thing about that that I 
find it a little harder to get over is the fact that the necklace unlocks it when the only time we have ever seen that there was even like the dent there was yeah was was like one episode or two episodes before and that's it yeah so you know what for plant and payoff for mikuhara that's pretty good because he's (laughs) not that's not one of his high his strong suits if we're honest Mm, you know yeah but at the same time good at I would have liked to see that, like, maybe one more time. Yeah. Just so that it could hammer he's, it home a bit. He's before. kind of like Michael Bay that way. He has, like, a very wandering attention span. Mm-hmm. And he can't do a plant and payoff that isn't, like, in the same episode. You just yeah. almost made me spit ice or snort iced tea out of my nose by comparing Nicar <laughs> to Michael Bay. The, 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 only, the only, like, major plot, like you know, plant and payoff that I can think of, I don't think was Ikuhara's. And that's the red sweater. Yeah. Honestly, I'm just trying to figure out what Ikuhara is the Michael Bay of. Because Michael Bay is clearly the Michael Bay of explosions, but Ikuhara <laughs> is the Michael Bay of... He's the ga- of the gays. You know how Michael Bay's whole problem is that he has too much shit on the screen at one time? That's Ikuhara. Ikuhara has too many gays on screen? Yeah, he just... <laughs> okay, homophobe! <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm the gay homophobe. Ikuhara just has to take every frame of everything he makes and jam so much gay shit into it. And what about it? it? It's great. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But I also love it in the same extremely overdone okay. way that people enjoy. Let me quote it. Hannibal for a second here. <laughs> oh um, yes, that is definitely yeah. going to help. Let me quote Hannibal for a second here. <laughs> oh, Hannibal Barca. Too much is too much, but way too much is perfect. It's, yeah, it's true. <laughs> that it's is true. absolutely. <laughs> and we watch Ikuhara and we watch Hannibal. So what does that say about us? And also Actually, half of this podcast today book. has been us going on about our fat cats and stuff. So I feel like really this is... This, this is narratively appropriate. Yes. Yeah, yes. I feel like we've earned this. But yeah, so they're having this nice little, she's wearing like a bathrobe. They're having a bonding mm. moment. I just love it. I love it. It's sweet. And they literally are just explaining things that have already been clear in the plot, but the fact that they're saying it to each other. I I do love, by the way, this shot where, like, the teacup is taking up a bunch of the frame. Yeah. Or the the teapot, because it makes the whole thing feel cozy and domestic, because... It does. You you just kind of feel like these two are just comfortable with each other. Yeah, and I think that's, like, it's, that's... It feels like the kind of thing where you've had enough shit go down that finally it's like, okay, okay. You two have earned this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Lulu is still standing for her friend. Like, no, dude. She's still trying. And Lulu, Kareha goes like, I, I can't be Ginko's friend anymore. <sighs> Kareha, bitch, what? How could you say that? Look at okay, the face! Okay, okay, so I have my own reading on why she's saying this. Okay. But I will not talk about it. There's a reason she's saying this to Lulu. And it's not just that she genuinely might on some level believe it, but I think to make my case for that, we have to wait until a little later into the episode. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very fair. Yeah, I think I, I yeah. yeah. See, this is an example of Ikuhara doing plant and payoff well. Yeah. yeah. But it is still, like, within about ten minutes of each other, so. Yes, it is. Yeah, he and can so do much it, he just happens in that ten minutes, it's basically a whole season's worth, so it's fine. It, yeah, it's honestly. It's true. <laughs> Okay, wait it's a second. Vana, at some point, you wanted to go on a rant about how when Ikuhara 
was making Utena. Oh, okay, yeah. So, so this is probably this is a probably good, time a, a for good that. moment for this because this is right around where we started going off about this. Yes, with the whole like we need to actually explain a bit of the plot to people in a way that's direct and to the point. And the fact that they did that by having the characters communicate with each other instead of some fucking backstory nonsense, I actually like. Mm-hmm. But uh, the thing I was getting at is, you know, now that I have seen all of Ikuhara's like major works, Utena seems strangely coherent relative to his other ones. And I have thought about why, and I've realized it's because in Utena, he gets to redirect a lot of his just dumb, bizarre bullshit into Caesar and the Caesar lyrics. But if you take Caesar away, all of that, like, frenetic, random, dumbass energy has to go somewhere, and that's why his other shows are so wacky as fuck. So, basically, like, Yuri Kuma would be a completely normal, coherent anime if it also had a Caesar song in it every episode. Yeah, if someone was just yelling Ammonite over and over again, yes. over a coral rock beat, like it's true. Ikuhara is like it's like it's like it calms him. It's like listening to like water for him. He's made calm and coherent by the presence of like Caesar's ridiculous butterfly moth sixteenth century shit. That is literally the song title. Once again, I cannot wait for the upcoming Ikuhara anime. That just has like a full-on hip-hop soundtrack, so he can oh, collaborate with it. all the hottest artists. Little Nas X. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, I, I, I have a question, if if we don't mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why are we talking about Caesar? The band Caesar, who did the music for. Hey, Caesar, who did the the music for Utena. I thought those were just random studio musicians. Is it an actual band? No, it's, no, a, it's single, a guy. It's a, single it's guy. a guy. Oh, it's a guy. Yeah, Jamie Caesar right. is a single artist. I've never heard about this. Banyu Inryoku is the name of his like band, but it's a theater okay. troupe. The coolest thing about Jay Caesar is that he also did the music for a Japanese version of the story of O. I would love to get <gasps> what? My Are you kidding me? Yes. No. Yo. I bet we could find it. I, I bet Dag or someone on the Discord has it. Probably. I we fucking need that yeah. so much. Listeners, <laughs> if you if you have anything to offer <laughs> here, <laughs> please help my wife finally feel inner peace. Yes. Oh my god, As it's you true. bring to her the missing part of her life. <laughs> I, I'll help y'all out. I can work on this now. But yeah, right, so. so and here we get a different ringtone. Don't we get a we? different phone call now. There's a different phone ringtone. Yeah. Um, have we talked about camellia flower at all? The what? The camellia flowers everywhere? No, we haven't. No. We've mentioned that they were camellia flowers, but that's it. Yeah. I'm tr- I, I don't. Isn't uh, I can't mm. remember what the symbolism is for them. Well, uh, the direct symbolism flower. is that Subaki Kureha's surname is literally camellia. Oh, well, fucking, I'm an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> okay, all I, I can I, think of- I tried to find some camellia symbolism a few episodes ago, and a bunch of the stuff I found was contradictory. Um, mm-hmm. Camellias, red camellias in particular are considered- The one thing I could find is that red camellias in particular, which is all the camellias we find with Kurihar, specifically mm-hmm. red camellia flowers, are mm-hmm. considered noble. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They were considered, like, appropriate for, like, samurai class to, oh, like, okay. yeah. use and stuff at some point in Japanese history. And there are, I believe, my memory is shaking on, but I think there were some associations at one point with death. Mm-hmm. 
uh like it was yeah, like that's, that's kind of like poem mm-hmm. you, you make up when you make your death poem you can make it about red camellias it's like an acceptable topic mm-hmm. but the other detail i found is that they are a symbol this is a thing that i kind of brought up in a previous episode and i cannot find corroborating things of it but mm-hmm. i believe there is some indication of this either that or i'm repeating something i saw on soul leader once which your <laughs> mileage may vary the camellia as a flower blooms late in the year, mm-hmm. and the blooms last a while into winter. So it's also a symbol of like hardiness and survivorness. And I kind of uh, pointed out yeah. one of Curryhead's defining character traits is at the start of the story, she has survived the loss of literally all of her loved ones in one way or another. Yeah, I want to say I'm pulling from Chinese mythology because white camellias have that association with death and with immortality but i can't remember which mythology i'm pulling from i think it's chinese yeah either way most of the camellia flowers we see around kareha including the one she wears on her head as the forest girl are or or the uh the moon girl rather are explicitly red camellias so i think it's just kind of meant to convey like kareha has like hidden depths of courage yeah also, she has shiny hair, and as we all yeah, know, yeah, I was like, wait, like, no, come on, good for your hair. Fuck the symbolism, all y'all. Camellia oil is very useful. He's awesome. The shampoo I use is Tsubaki. Yeah, I bought a bottle of just straight up camellia oil when I was in Japan, and like for a year, my hair was dope. <laughs> it's, it's sad that I don't have it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry for your loss. I am too. Apparently, like, like the, the only other thing I'm going to just really, really quickly mention, you mentioned Chinese flower symbolism being a thing. Uh, yeah. When I have gone down rabbit holes trying to figure out Akio's bullshit, most of the stuff that actually makes sense is when you're using the Chinese symbolism. Oh. That makes sense. That might be the body of information Ikuhara knows better. Yeah, yeah the, that would be my, my guess as well, because... I, I didn't even bother looking up English language for uh-huh. camellias, because English, English and specifically British flower language I'm a little bit more familiar with, but it almost never completely syncs up to the stuff yeah. in anime, because, like, yeah. it it's not the... Uh, unless it's, like, a European flower, they usually have a very different meaning for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or it's it's, it's the same meaning, but it's got, like, different implications. Mm-hmm. I'm not we, sure whether this is a connection, but... T is Camellia sinensis. Yeah, yep, it is a uh, the same kind of family, uh, yep. I believe. Yep. One anyway. cool note here is it says, however, they do not make good presents for people who are sick or injured because the way the flowers because of the way the flowers behead themselves when they die. Yes. Which is kind of yeah. So they're not a good gift. They're good to have everywhere, but you don't give it away. Which, yeah. Yeah. That kind of fits with Kureha in it, general. It does. I kind of like that. Anyway, camellia flowers are awesome if you can, like, smother your hair with it. Dope. But Kureha has just gotten a phone call from a restricted number. Yeah. And it is, I don't remember this student's name, but the one with the butterfly on her head. I just realized, oh god, I just, my my brain hurts. What? It's not just her last name. Kureha's first name, I'm pretty sure, can translate as crimson. Mm, Fucking hell. You know what? Her name is literally red. Red camellia flower. Fuck! She's moon. You know what? I'm so mad. I'm so mad. I I think I made this connection on a previous episode. (laughs) And I just, it just now hit me that it's like we we got through this whole thing and it's just, 
Nope, that's just literally her name. I have dealt psychic damage. <laughs> I'm traveling back back to the world of Kuriyuma now. <laughs> I know the chestnut dancing boys. Dude. Oh my god. Oh my god. Please, Lady Kamaria, deliver us to the Curry Yuma universe. <laughs> Oh my lord. Bring us across the wall of severance. <laughs> also, trying to watch dudes licking chestnuts as symbolism for balls would be amazing. But anyway, <laughs> don't hear this. Please don't hear this. Please, Bara, hear this. Hear my plea. <laughs> yeah. Bara approved. <laughs> well, I like that. Okay, so this. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my lord. It's all just JoJo posing. You know what? I would watch that show too. I would. I absolutely would. Absolutely. <laughs> it would probably be like one of his more coherent works anyway. So, butterfly, butterfly girl that is in the armored tank run by a fucking bear, which is the worst thing I've ever heard. This is a fucking war crime. There's a Geneva Convention rule against literally this. Um, cyborg bears are yes. cyborg lesbian bears are not endorsed as <laughs> acceptable war tactics which is why the uh u.s police forces like to use them <laughs> so but the girl that is in the tank has called kareha and told her that ginkgo and lulu are bears posing as humans and you know while this is happening they find out the, that the proof was this picture of them darting for this fucking these fucking salmon this that picture has showed up a couple of times i love that really picture good. I'm glad it came back here. Adorable little, adorable little bears attacking fish. I just so good. And Lulu's like standing there listening to her talk, and she's like, "Yeah, I'll let you know if there's any bears." (laughs) Then the plot twist is that this girl has known all along that Kareha knows about the bears. She's like, "Oh, they're hiding them." Yeah, she just rolls up in an armored car with like six girls with guns in the back, and they just—it's a SWAT team. Yeah, they they just they just pull a full on SWAT team here. Oh my god, it's literally I that can't one joke. We it's are team doing this militarization squad. thing. <laughs> oh no, it's more female military police. <laughs> yes, that's what the liberals want. That's the future the liberals want. I will not be content as as a trans woman until when my government rights are finally, you know, taken from me and when I am sentenced to the gulags, unless I have an NV BIPOC jailer. Yeah. Like yeah. If, if that if that is not my exact warden, I I demand that the US seriously rethink its carceral policies. <laughs> yeah. I, I want my rights to be savagely abused, but only by marginalized communities. Yeah, just, you know... That just makes you a liberal. (laughs) No, liberals are not that giving. Okay, look, I identified as a liberal for, like, most of my 20s. Uh, I have been in Accio-Stan, however, since I was 15. So let me tell you, liberals are fucking evil and I know it. That was during a time when being a liberal was, like, a normal, sane thing to identify with. It's true. Like, the 90s and, and early aughts were not... That's not what like liberals today looked like, but but the 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 structural blocks were there, and they are very much exactly on the it's okay to have mili- like like Joe Biden tomorrow is probably going to sign an executive order saying police militarization is good as long as there's more you know variety in the police force. Yeah, yeah. yeah let's, we're gonna do diversity quotas in the police force. If our military drones 
um, aren't piloted by uh, gender non-conforming catboys, then are we even free? Yeah, it's true. Exactly. You know, or or like the military dogs, like those little like Program robot dogs. Mm, yeah. I hope they make really cute noises. Oh, the Boston Dynamics. Yeah. Well, they break down my door and kill me. <laughs> Jokes aside, it is extremely reactionary. The society that they yeah. are in is explicitly a reactionary one. At the beginning of the series, the girls were like liberals, and now they're becoming conservatives <laughs> as they threatened. age in the series. <laughs> because and they're, they're threatened. threatened. It's true. It's that is a thing. Age. It's whether it's you're scared. Yeah. Yeah, I can see no commentary potentially that might be made on nationalist Japan. <laughs> Not at all. In any of Yukihara's works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like I'm missing context sometimes because I don't know better. <laughs> so I don't think there's like a lot that's like very specifically like that. None of these people are supposed to be Shinzo Mabe, but there is a level of like. Yeah. And this is maybe just me like overreaching, but it's hard for me to watch any Japanese anything that specifically deals with the rise of like a military authority mm-hmm. and not go like, mm-hmm. all right, what element of World War II military government Japan are we, com- are we commenting on today? And how are we going to trace that back to current political leaders all right which one of these girls is admiral yamamoto (laughs) like again from like a distance as far as i understand it most of world war ii and the militarization of japan and and so on is heavily scrubbed in the educational system in the same way uh i i was told that states rights were a thing yeah so like that it sounded unbelievable to me when i was like yeah they don't tell their children about this and and i'm sitting here like what what riot in that one city like i'm just so bad and the fact that there was so much secrecy around that is like, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if that ends up informing a lot of the popular culture as as time develops in the same way that America, once we started learning about the history that we've had scrubbed, become we became we are very preoccupied with it. That's why every you know three years we have to give an Oscar to a movie about slavery. Yep. Like seriously, like and and yep. I would not be surprised at all if that is something that hugely informs Ikuhara's work. I know he said that explicitly at some point. I think about uh, Penguin Drum, though. But, like, it's clearly in his... I just wish I knew more about the history so I had more of a frame of reference for what the actual... I imagine that thoughts are, it but... is very likely that we have a very smart person in our audience who is going to hear us talking like ding-dongs yeah. and is going to write in <laughs> and hopefully very nicely tell me uh, all of the dumb stuff that Everything. we said and... please put me in my place if if you are listening and that is you feel free to write that email because i would love damn right we here are always welcome to be told that we said a dumb thing and that we're wrong so feel free to correct us i will absolutely own if i just totally crawled up my ass but (laughs) i will say at the end of the day anytime yukahara seems to portray any sort of military anything it's never exactly a good thing (laughs) He doesn't seem very you know, like a sane a person. Concept, I have to say, yeah, yeah, he seems to think it is not a good solution to most problems. Which yeah. Ikuhara said, "Guns are cool, but the military is not." Man. Wow, it's almost like those thoughts can exist at the same time. <laughs> so All let's right. find out about oh, Little Babby are... Yeah, someone, someone speak, Babby. Well, I mean, first we're going to watch all the girls search her house. Yeah. Which is But she's not there. Great. Because she is no knock warrant over here. Yeah, they eat it off like smart girls. (laughs) Get the fuck out of there. 
And Lulu asks Kareha why <sighs> she is helping her. And Kareha's like, you know, I'm not even sure. <laughs> Which is fair. Like, but she does say, but I know this must be the right yeah. choice. She yeah. knows in her heart. She already knows that the bears are fine and she just needs to get over it. And she's just battling with the decision now. I mean, are the bears really fine? <laughs> yes. So Lulu is telling her they do that uh, she thinks she knows why Kareha lost her memories. Of lost her memories. Whenever a bear becomes a human, she must make a certain exchange. An exchange? Really? With that which lies between man and bear, the severance barrier. And here's where the whole what will you give up for one thing comes into play. Bear can become a human girl in exchange of his part with what you hold most precious. Psych, we were doing Hans Christian Andersen the whole fucking time. (laughs) There's a distinct lack of Christianity This isn't Ginkgo, though. Yeah, this got me confused. What? So, okay, we've established that the premise is you have to give, a a bear can become a human girl, but she has to give up something. And what they're getting at is that the thing that got given up is the memory Kareha has of meeting Ginkgo. Yep. Which makes Kareha the bear, not Ginkgo. No. No. Kareha's the bear because she gave up the memories. No. No. That's not what happened. What was given up was Kareha's love for Ginkgo. And the only way that Kareha could Mm -hmm. have that love for Ginkgo is if she had the memories of Ginkgo. So those had to be erased so that Kareha could no longer feel the love that she felt for Ginkgo. She was forced to give up on love. I can't fucking believe that this whole show was a secret prelude to Subasa Reservoir Chronicle. (laughs) Ikuhara's crossover with Clamp is possibly (laughs) the most ambitious I've ever seen in anime. And, uh... This is literal the plot of Subasa Reservoir Chronicle. I only read, like, two volumes of Subasa Reservoir Chronicle because I was, like... It gets gonzo toward the end, and I can honestly tell you as someone who... No, you do... Okay, the Shaoran at the beginning of the story is a clone? No, that is never sufficiently explained. Yes. I'm sorry. I do not. What? Have... No, we're not. We're not getting into this. I will. Oh no. <laughs> no, we are not because I will be here all night. Subasa Reservoir Chronicle <laughs> is wild AF. Look, it needs its own podcast. You will. You guys will come to my house and hang out with me and cast and tell me all about Subasa Reservoir <laughs> yes, Chronicles while I sip on a beverage and just stare in bewilderment. <laughs> that is what will happen. I, yep. I, I maintain this makes more sense if it's Kareha that made the sacrifice. Um, I'm not saying that that's true, yeah, but it no. makes more sense. It is definitely something to keep in mind, but... Yes. Because we are we are not yes, hearing this word of God at the idea. moment. We are hearing it from Lulu, but it does. I will note it does match up with uh with what Ginkgo. We did actually see a bit of Ginkgo and Lulu's you know consistent Yuri yeah. trials. Mm-hmm. Ginkgo's whole thing is I won't give up on love. I will you know I will kill humans, but we we don't know that that is ever what her original bargain was because. Yeah. We don't really know the full terms of it. We do know that Lulu gave up on kisses in like in the same way she she gave up on her love for Ginkgo in the same way Ginkgo may have or may have not given up Kareha's love for her. 
So she might be kind of guessing here. Is the whole, like, give up on love in that case, like, a whole, like, is this all, like, a comment on the class S thing where you're supposed to give up on your lesbianism because it's time to grow up? And this this whole fucking thing is just, the message is don't give up on the lesbianism because you're growing up, that's dumb and bullshit. And every I, girl I, I has a little so. bear inside her. <laughs> I, I don't think that's really it. Personally, I tend to think that... There's not a lot of direct Class S commentary in mm. Eurekuma. I shouldn't say Class S, because that's the only thing I have a frame of reference for, but yeah. Because, like, if you if, it were, if this were Class S, one of the other highlights of Class S is that uh, the relationships usually have, like, an older-younger partner dynamic. Oh, okay. Like, it's usually between, yeah. like, Senpai-Kohai kind of, it's, it's oh, senpai okay. kind of stuff. Okay. And... That is never really, and it's almost always in an academic environment. Yurikuma's in an academic environment, but the school is kind of incidental. Mm-hmm. It is. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a lot less structured in that way. So mm-hmm. there, I think it's less of a commentary on that and more about given the rest of the series on like actual human society. Yeah. Like, like I was thinking of it, and it's not, it's not class S I wanted to say. It's more of like comp head. Yes, like, this feels is exactly more like a, a commentary is, is exactly on the process this of is. This is the. I think Compet is basically what Yurikuma is about. Yeah. The the underlying premise of Yurikuma is we are all under the boot of Compet. We must mm-hmm. rise up and gow and throw it off. Yeah. Arise, ye bears of the nation! <laughs> you have nothing to lose but your incredibly horny transformation sequences. And your life. <laughs> don't give up on love don't give if up that on was love. not as long as it is you have nothing to lose but your incredibly horny transformation <laughs> sequences would be the name of this episode <laughs> <laughs> that is a lot to lose okay Ikuhara <laughs> spent a lot of animation button on these also though you have nothing to lose but your horny chains might be you know a good that might short be short enough episode title yeah <laughs> nothing to lose but the horny chains okay honestly i must like the show so we need to get back to the episode a specter is a specter is haunting we We still have like 10 minutes left is this the fountain yeah yeah it is okay there's just a big fountain in front of the little door because water symbolism is a thing we needed to do they've done this a few times now oh and here's the uh the little mermaid bit in three, two, there we are. And now we know why Ginkgo oh. didn't just tell Kureha, you know, we who she was from the very beginning. If you tell people the secret of how you turn into a human, you, you lose the it. ability. This guy is incredibly wrong, though. The rules are not cool. The rules are extremely uncool. <laughs> Look, I, I, I love that life cool is just like the rules are cool. And I'm over here like, yeah, if you're a fucking dark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Big, Fuck these big, guys. Big I don't like energy. these fucking guys. <laughs> Looking at little Lulu as a bear. She's crying. Like, oh, I have so many feelings. I know. And away, away she goes. Oh, and no. then suddenly we get a, a cut to the thermal vision scope of the bear death ray, which begins coming up and it's shaped like a fucking black lily on yep. a thingy and... Oh we god, just... oh god, oh god, they're gonna shoot her. Oh god, oh god, oh god, oh Something god. Something that's like charging like the fucking and Lulu Death Star. stops and they 
press the button that says shoot, and the little cyborg bear oh. runs even faster. And it's... Why is the plug in her ass? <laughs> because it's <laughs> this show. Yeah, well, yeah, well, never mind. I'm not even... <laughs> uh, and there's a mushroom cloud because... Yeah. yeah. And they look at the bear <laughs> and it's... Uh, it, it, it ended. They, yeah, they didn't actually shoot Lulu. No, the... it's, it's not Lulu. It's a it's random bears. other bear. They it's shot another bear. Uh, because at the last second when Lulu was about to run off, Kareha grabbed her and hugged her and said, I'm not gonna... And says to herself, not to Lulu, I'm not going to allow you to be excluded. She says, I'm not not going going to allow allow my friend friend to be be excluded. She wraps her up just like Rhea wrapped up Ginkgo a long time ago and runs all the way... To the barrier. To the barrier. And she has a little flashback of the day she met Ginkgo. And now we find out that it wasn't Ginkgo who crossed the Wall of Severance. It was Kureha. Kureha was the very first one to cross the door. With her little camellia on her shirt. Yeah. Yeah, So when when y'all were talking about how Kureha's a very reactive protagonist, Mm -hmm. one of the big shell game tricks that the series pulls is kind of here. Mm-hmm. Kurei has actually always been an active protagonist. It's just that for most of the series, she's reacting to things she did a long time ago. Yeah. With no memory or context to understand what's going on. So this is the point where she actually begins to flip that dynamic and kind of like... She she gets to actually actively decide to do mm-hmm. things, including... Yep. Rescuing Lulu. Including bailing Lulu out of getting shot by the fucking fed. Fucking laser. Yeah. <laughs> She's so happy to remember. Yeah. Yeah. There's that full metal jacket mm-hmm. reference. Yup. Big full metal jacket. Love that. All the bear corpses strewn across the ground. I want to restate Barrowroos. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Y'all didn't hear it the first time, so I had to restate that. Thank anyway. you. Thank you. Oh my god, those little tanks. Yeah, I don't so know cute. why, but I think T-34s are kind of adorable. They're chibi kind of, tanks. I know! Of course the bears drive chibi They look like a Miyazaki... Well, they don't, no, bears don't drive tanks. Humans drive tanks. That was established. Oh, okay. Because that was in that weird little, like, stylized... Yes. Weirdly Saul Bassy uh, flashback sequence. Humans don't deserve such cute vehicles. I know, we don't. The T-34 deserved better. I'm pretty sure at least one of those tanks had bear ears on it at one point. But I'm not saying that that means there was a dead bear bear on top of it. It's quite a strewn, miserable uh, landscape. No, I'm pretty sure that one of the tanks actually had bear ears. But is there a tank with barriers in this episode? To find out, please email your local chapter of the Yurikuma Truthers Association. (laughs) (laughs) No, this is a few episodes ago. Yeah, this is a few episodes ago because I think I commented on it. Yeah, I I mean, that sounds right. Ikuhara sure watched a horror movie, saw this set, and went, This but a door. Mm hmm. Thanks. I I actually kind of do get, um, continuing the Suspiria thing. A mm-hmm. little bit of a vibe, a Suspiria vibe from this, because it reminds me of the door from the end of that movie. Yeah, where you have oh, to, totally. Like, yeah. Yep. Yeah, no, he he definitely is drawing, like, a lot from that. Except Aww. instead of uh, Italian prog rock band Goblin on the other side, uh, it's Russia. <laughs> it's, it's, ba- it's I'm sorry, it's Belarus. We've established that now. 
Yes. <laughs> so, and here's where here's where I make my argument for like why Kureha said I can't love Ginko anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is the real reason why. Uh, she tells, despite having called Lulu her friend in her inner monologue a bit ago, she tells Lulu, "You aren't my friend. We can't be friends. You have to go to the other side. If you come back, I'll shoot you myself." She's obviously lying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She is so obviously lying here. This is such intense. I can't tell you the truth because it'll hurt you and this is the thing to keep you safe thing. Yeah, like, she's like. trying her best. She knows Lulu and Ginko really well. She knows that they'll kind of do anything. She is trying to convince them that being on this side of the wall, is there's that? nothing for them and that they, they have to return to the country of theirs empty-handed because if she lets them stay they will get killed. Mm-hmm. And she is actually not wrong, because literally yeah. seconds after she lets them through, Kureha gets basically captured by the the bear cops. Yeah. The evil was you. Yep. <sighs> Fascist state hairpin butterfly girl. And they basically accuse her of, like, secretly smuggling bears into the school. And and I would like to point out that doesn't even make sense. That doesn't no. even make sense. The no, bears... As a great little bee here, it's like you must have been plotting revenge on us with the bears for excluding you. So literally, she kind of like instinctively grasps if this is the case that we were kind of the instigators here. <laughs> but she mm-hmm. does. She does not have any level of self-reflective ability to go like maybe we shouldn't have like. You know, consistently uh, removed you from all of our social groups and, like, tried to, you know, like... The consequences of our actions. And tried to emotionally and physically break you at every conceivable fucking opportunity. (laughs) It doesn't even make sense, though, because they excluded her after the bear attack They've been trying to exclude her, though, and they Uh, keep getting outvoted. I guess They've been trying to get rid of her for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Yike. But, like, <sighs> Hans Landa over here is so excited to have figured out. Yep. God. <laughs> Sorry, I, that... Yeah, yeah. no, I, I just made that connection, and I'm like, I will never be able to watch this this anime again, and I think, ah, Hans Landa anime girl. Yeah, I remember her. <laughs> okay, but Hans is that really that bad? Me away. This improves right. the character, and if then, I'm being honest. And then, and then... And then... And then... Cut to black. No? Cut then to cut glowing to... eyeballs in the bush. And Ginko's voice saying, I'm going to eat her. I down, can't wait. Down. Fuck shit up, Ginko. Fuck him up. Oh, and then the stinger, uh, is, is in Lily Court. And this is the thing where... Note that like she's in handcuffs, which in the couple of early Yuri approval sequences... They do show her climbing to the courtroom with handcuffs on, so this is probably mm-hmm. picking up from those like sequences. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is, that is where we episode. are. Mm-hmm. All right. So. 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 How did you all enjoy the episode? Dude bears suck. <laughs> Dude bears do I suck. I don't like any of them. I mean, there's not a lot to like there. I think Ikuhara also doesn't like them. Probably. And that's sort of why they get framed. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. Hey. Yep. 
Episode thoughts? I can't believe that this is episode 10. I can't believe there's only fucking two episodes left and he's got to wrap this whole goddamn thing up. That's amazing. I mean, it really, honestly, there isn't that much left. There yeah. isn't, but... Like, I know how we find out that Kureha is a bear and then we're done. I just, I just know how Ikuhara does this and his last two episodes are always like fucking wrecking balls compared to the rest of the show. So now I'm like, okay, well, I guess shit starts now. I mean, but you and I are just sitting here going, wreck me, daddy. (laughs) It's true. It's, I haven't even established a safe word and uh, Ikuhara looks like you might need one. (laughs) Certainly feels that way sometimes. It's true. Yeah. So, how's your opinion on the series, and I asked this as the Yurikuma stan, has it improved at all over these last three episodes? Because this is the point where I was like, if they don't start to like it now, they never will. Definitely, as it's bringing more pieces together, I'm liking it more. Um, The major problem that I had with Yurikuma from the beginning was the repetition of points instead of the use of the time to develop character. And we've gotten a lot of character development. Yep. We've gotten a lot of flashbacks. We've gotten a lot of explanation of things that are going on. Mm-hmm. And it is really it starting is. to come together. Yep. Now that I'm starting to think of it less as uh, twelve, like a series of episodes and more as like a super long fucking horror movie, everything yeah. is working a lot better. Now that I've seen Suspiria, because like I remember when I was watching Suspiria, the pacing is brutal. Like, yep. Nothing relevant happens in the first, like, three quarters of that film, and then the whole rest is crammed, like, the plot is crammed into the last bit, and the first bit is just atmosphere. And now that I think of that in relation to this, this makes more sense, because that is what Ikuhara was going for. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like it definitely hits a lot better, worked through that. I definitely like the show a lot more now that, like Yasha said, there's been a bit more development of the characters and a little more context. I, I, I like the show at this point. I'm enjoying it, and I'm curious to see what happens next. So, yeah, Yuri Kuma has been salvaged. <laughs> no, we we've Yuri approved it. Yuri approved. I was like trying to remember what the phrase. It is. I have Yuri approved Yuri Kuma. I will say that like I started off at like a zero on Yuri Kuma, as in like literally like absolutely like no opinion one way or the other. And have only right. really gone up over the course of watching it. I've yeah. like I I recognize it has uh, a a great deal of flaws in like maybe some of the depth of characterization. I don't feel like it hits the mark as well as maybe some of other Ikuhara works that he has attempted to speak his truth through, but. <laughs> I, I yeah. will say, I think that this has sort of, like, an inverse problem that I noticed with, like, because I haven't seen all of Penguin Drum, but I watched a considerable amount of it, and I feel like Penguin Drum mm. had too many episodes, and this had maybe too few too episodes. Few. Not, not incredibly so like and i don't know necessarily what ikuhara would have done with a couple more episodes of this but like it could Mm -hmm. have potentially benefited from a little more room to breathe when it came to like some of this end game Mm -hmm. stuff but uh yeah i have been enjoying it yeah and i've been loving it kind of reminds me of trigun that way if you've ever seen Trigun. Yeah. yeah. I love Trigun. Trigun has, like, no plot until the last, like, four yeah. episodes. And then it has all the plot. All the plot. All the plot. I'm yeah. enjoying it. 
Thank you for for annoying me. I I am very glad (laughs) that you guys seem to have come around on it. And I kind of anticipated that you might, given the chance and Mm -hmm. the, like, being forced to, like, actually pay attention to it. Yeah. And the context is helping. Yeah. And I, yeah, I think that uh, learning more about the show through, you know, like having Cass on the show who knows a lot about Yuri Kuma or Mm -hmm. like hearing stuff from other people who have sent me messages on Twitter and stuff like that, like has really, Mm -hmm. I feel like, broadened the appeal of of watching it. I I I don't know who was here like when it aired. Because, like, for me, the experience of, like, when it aired, this show suffered from a similar problem that Penguin Drum had in that they are very complicated shows that happened before the advent of, like, crowdfunded information on social media, almost. Yeah. Yeah, I would say crowdsourced rather than crowdfunded. Crowdsourced. Sorry. Yeah, Yeah, crowdsourced. This would have really benefited from the kind of atmosphere that a lot of other puzzle boxy shows get. Yeah, like Sarah Zenmai or Wonder Egg Priority, I know, because I've seen it all on, the, yeah. on Twitter, where people like will immediately show up and be like, this reference and this reference and this reference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, th- that's just what you expect now because mm-hmm. of how quickly information is exchanged. But like, this was even back as early as 20, 2013, yeah. like social media is a little bit slower and the culture of that kind of like high speed information exchange is not as fast as it is now. This really would have benefited from that. that. It really would have benefited in my opinion from like just straight up. I've kind of mentioned that like, I don't think two more episodes would have been great. I I personally feel like a lot of the, I I kind of maintain that like, I love both Yuri Kuma and Utna, but they're very different flavors. And I think that like, unfortunately a lot of, a lot of Ikuhara's fans are really Utna fans. Yeah. Yeah. And it can kind of it can kind of hamstring his newer projects. Which I think which I think by Sarazanmai, like people you have kind of come that, around on realizing like he, survives. Look, love the guy or hate the guy. The fact of the matter is he already made like one and a half revolutionary girl Utnas. He does he's not gonna make any yeah. more. No, he's done. He, it's, I'm it's, excited it's, for the Rico it's t- movies. It's time to let it yeah. go. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Next year is the 25th anniversary, and I'm I'm worried. We're gonna so. hear the announcement of two to the. Whereas, like this show is gonna benefit from the 10th anniversary. Yeah, I think this show will be better loved and understood at its 10th anniversary. We are getting a Penguin Drum rebuild, which I think is great. <laughs> I, I, I have a um a straight up. I have a straight up proposal yes. here. Mm-hmm. Revolutionary Girl Utena two, but it's Revolutionary Boy Sionji. I will not be taking questions at this time. No, you don't need to. I get it. <laughs> a- agreed. Yuri approved. Mm-hmm. And Yoi approved. <laughs> Yoi yeah, approved. Yoi approved. It's just Sionji, like, getting involved in some new... Utna and Anthe aren't even in it. It's nope. just... <laughs> it's just Sionji getting It's just Sionji, and only Sionji, and, like, maybe Wakaba for, like... And Toga. Toga has to be there too, I guess. Like, for like 35 <laughs> episodes. Sayaji <laughs> like just trying to exist in the world and Toga just shows up. Just like, <laughs> I can't avoid it. Just like desperately going like, I need to like exist and also not be garbage. I can only <laughs> seem to do one of these things at a time. Oh, the emotional struggle. I would watch this, but <laughs> this is not my beautiful house and this is not my beautiful life. No. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know what that would be? That would be the animation style, quote unquote, that they're doing for uh, the show about the Yakuza house husband that everyone's mad about. Yeah, because it sucks. If it was just pan shots and stuff. Yeah, that's what Sayonji deserves, is a motion comic. Exactly. He does not deserve full animation. <laughs> he deserves that, and, and I support it. And I think that's a good thing. Y'all are speaking the truth. Yep. Sayonji yep. got full animation oh, yeah. once, and he used it to go cook eggs in the woods. <laughs> yeah, and then and then he got better animation and used it to bite fucking hair. So clearly, we can't keep him around animation. Okay, uh, we really need to. Anyway, we need to yeah. wrap this up. <laughs> Sorry, because like we are at. Uh... Yeah. I don't even know We've what our total time is at this point because we've had to stop and start so many times. You're going to struggle so much editing this and, and God bless you. All right. So this has been great and this has been fun and I'm I'm quite enjoying this Yuri Kuma journey and I'm a, a little sad that it is going to be ending soon, honestly. There needs to be more of this. I feel like it's not going to finish. I'm interested to see how we wrap this all up yep let's see so um do we have anything else we want to say before we go into plugs i feel like you've pharaoh bruce fuck you i feel like we have mostly wrapped (laughs) up but i just want to give yeah we've wrapped up well listeners if you want to follow (laughs) the rest of this yurikuma journey uh, on twitter you can do that at utanacast if you'd like to follow me on twitter you can do that at impandanata alice where can people find you online? Uh, they can find me on Twitter. I'm at Lyrewolf, which is L-Y-R-E-W-U-L-F. Cass, what would you like to plug in this space where you do not have any social medias? I'm glad you asked, uh, editor of my ongoing podcast with Alice uh, Panda. I would like to plug Big yeah. Steppy. Uh, it is our podcast about giant robots anime mostly we do uh our tagline is we talk about real robots cool robots and real cool robots i love it love the tagline we have been very focused on gundam for a while now and our current plan is to just go through all of gundam wing uh we also have two episodes coming down the pipeline one is going to be an extra long special episode on the movie gundam f91 which is a trip and one on the uh, tabletop game Lancer, which uh, I think is very cool and you should check out as well. If you want to check out Big Steppy, wherever you can find it wherever fine co- podcasts are minted, I guess. <laughs> and you can also contact us on Twitter at SteppyCast. And uh, Yasha and Fauna, if people so wish to, where can they peruse your fine wares? You can always find us at O-H-T-O-R-I dot N-U, or you can find us on Twitter at O-H-T-O-R-I underscore N-U. Did you just do Khajiit has wares? I was kind of, that was the vibe I was going for. I wasn't pulling like a, I wasn't trying to pull for a quote, but that was the vibe I was giving. (laughs) Okay. Honestly, that hurts me. I, I felt that energy and I was like, no. I, I played so much Morrowind. You have no idea. Uh-huh. She, she really did. I, can't, I believe I that. can't even begin. Anyway. Jeet has long, interesting anarchist textbook if you have revolutionary fascinations. Nice. Mm-hmm. Now it's turning into Disco Elysium. I, I, I'm not kidding. I hear Chachi Jazeri is like a book in 
I think, every game since at least Oblivion. And it's straight up an anarchist, like, it is possibly based on an actual anarchist essay, because it's literally a revolutionary text in-universe, and... I steal it every time I play Skyrim. I feel like that that would that would make the author happy. The author doesn't exist. I think so. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that was that was episode, episode ten. 10. <laughs> so, gal 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 gal. Look for the. Best.